0: Hello, and welcome to the Riff Raff and Rory podcast. On this podcast, I aim to inspire change by speaking to people that I relate to, and we'll be discussing a range of subjects and topics, including trauma, adversity, healing, and mental health and well-being. Tom is a former international event writer and junior national and European champion. He managed to compete for many years alongside his condition and although still involved in equestrianism, now writes and blogs around the subject of mental health. Tom also reads extensively, especially around the subject of mental wellness, has an NCTJ qualification, a distinction in copy editing and proofreading, and enjoys studying French in his spare time. Tom is also currently studying neurolinguistic Programming, NLP, and hopes to qualify as a practitioner this autumn. Tom is hopefully aiming to publish a book which will be entitled Dying to Stay Alive which is also available on his website in relation to any content and articles that he publishes. Equestrian athlete Depression Hypomania and mania Thyroid treatment Ketamine treatment Agitated depression Confidence Return to life survival strategies, brutal suffering, PTSD, bipolar, hospitalization treatment, chaos, mixed state, simple life, intense struggle, mental illness. Today, I'm very fortunate to be joined by another member from the other side of the British Isles. This is Tom. And ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome him to the Riff Raff and podcast. Hi, Rory. Thanks for having me on the show. Do you want to just give our listeners a quick intro uh, on, I suppose, your background maybe
1: and where currently you are at the moment? Basically, it's been uh, two decades of hell, really, quite honestly. And I'm 42 now, so it all started in my early 20s, so literally 20 years. And I never had any problems whatsoever with my mental health. and never even thought about it. I was confident, happy outgoing i was good at school i was i had a talent for riding that was my thing and i but i did sports i did everything i was you know capable of everything um but i was particularly interested in riding horses and i had a family that were into equestrianism so when i was actually still at school i won the junior national championships in three-day eventing and so when i finished school i was like right this is what i'm going to do so I went into three day eventing as a professional and built up a business and did was doing really really well um climbing up the rankings I was even ranked up to like 18th in the world rankings at one point in my early 20s so things were like looking really great and I'd represented Great Britain in the junior um European championships and won a gold medal so like I had all this opportunity and everything was good but in my early 20s i this is about 2002 3 i just felt like i didn't have the interest in it anymore even though it's something that i'd already always loved and been in, interested in i just didn't have any interest in it anymore and i was exhausted constantly even though i was fit and well and I was an athlete, you know, I looked after myself, but I felt terribly low and disinterested and this went on for months and didn't know what was wrong with me because no one really talked about mental health 20 years ago. So I just thought, my God, how dare I feel like this? And I beat myself up over it and I felt it made me feel even worse. And eventually after months of feeling like that, and literally beating myself over the back to get out of bed and continue with my career so that I didn't lose face and have to admit the problem and the shame of it all and didn't understand what was going on. And eventually I just broke and I just burst into tears one day and and I just knew I couldn't continue. And mum said, you know, what's wrong? And I didn't have an answer. I just was desperate. And she took me to a doctor and that was the beginning of 20 years of hell and i was diagnosed with depression and then that episode i sort of managed to come out of that one i went to le lion d'Angers in france actually and did a a three-day event out there on a young it was the young horse world championships that i did with depression i should never have done that but somehow i won a bronze medal while doing it you know i that sort of steered me out of the first episode but then it recurred and recurred and recurred over the years. And then there were periods of hypomania and mania in there, which at the beginning, I didn't understand what that was either. But later on, I then got a full blown manic episodes as well as the depressions and was eventually diagnosed as having bipolar disorder. And yeah, I've had both spectrums. And in the end, although I resurrected my career several times, in the end I just couldn't cope with the losses and the disappointment of it all and eventually I had to give up everything really just to survive and finally after this is a huge it's a very very long story but there's been lots of different twists and turns and episodes and disasters and all sorts of stuff going on and one of the treatments well all of the treatments were terrible for me I'd never got on with any of the antidepressants or been on antipsychotics and mood stabilizers, they all were disastrous for me, and one of the treatments even landed me in hospital, so it's been pretty horrific. But the end of the story is that I am fully better now, which is a bit of a miracle. Um, thanks to an amazing doctor that's found this it's the thyroid that's the problem, and having had that treatment over the last couple of years, I'm now finally back to who I was 20 years ago. And now I'm writing about it. I've written a book about it, which I'm hoping to get published, and I'm blogging about it every day. So now I want to try and help everyone else, really.
0: The navigational pathway that you're talking, I feel like even in my own wavelength, like we'll unpack this in a bit more detail, but the things that came to mind last night, Tom wrote a fantastic piece about manic episodes are and trying to simplify it nearly, I'd say to the general world is trying to help back and give back yeah. and the things that even come to mind. I've had uh, manic episodes. I, all of the above in your say, experiences of what would you call them, mental health, a hundred percent relate to everything. Highs, lows, in and outs, chaos, traumas, the whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. As you say, even feel like even at the moment, I feel like I'm really on a wave of real good energy. But then I'm like really tired as well. Like you feel like it's like, as you said, nearly in a professional capacity, I would carry myself because I need to, to keep myself on track. Like it's just, there's, that's, that's the level of it. Like even to bring you back, maybe to give you some insight for yourself, like in the last few months, I've nearly collected two diagnoses, uh, bipolar type two mixed personality disorder, sorry, three. I've nearly self-diagnosed through my own work with borderline personality disorder. That's one box. Uh, in my own work that I've done myself, uh, I've done like psychedelics, sperm retention, fasting, um, all of these, trying and dabbling in so many different things, dialectical behavioral therapy, different therapists, different types of therapy uh, through trauma and all these different points. But the pressing thought that's coming to mind uh, is interesting that I actually connected with this really randomly. Now, when you said it in more of a golden nugget, I don't mean randomly; coincidentally, probably is a better word that when you're saying the thyroid thyroid gland, honestly, it's weird that, like, probably these things happen when you start to find yourself. Like, when you really start to delve in and do a real analysis of your own internal work. But honest to God, this is just a really random thought that keeps coming to mind. It genuinely feels in my own self-imagery work that I'm doing at the moment, right? That it, honest to God, feels like that I'm nearly pregnant is the phrase I've been using all week, where you're nearly reorganizing the changing of the guard as in the old Rory coming out and like even some of the calls I had yesterday was like that a phrase would nearly come to mind in the say mindset of like the League of Shadows or the Dark Knight and all these movies that come out on the back of these darker episodes or the Joker or whatever but essentially it's like that real dark side of my life in ego or whatever way you want to call it is really present at the moment and it literally is eating me alive in that manner. Hopefully, it's it's something that will... Hopefully, it's something I can see a light at the end of the tunnel with. I feel like it's just a very turbulent time at the moment.
1: I'm so sorry to hear that you're still going through all of that because, you know, obviously, I relate to that. My diagnosis was bipolar type 1, so it's very, very obvious because when the manic highs were so high that I thought I was Jesus and I was talking to Princess Diana in my thoughts and... I was being blessed by mother Teresa and all this stuff was going on and it was crazy. And I was totally out of control and I could not sleep at all. And I'd be flying around at a million miles an hour. So that's ma- true mania, like a uh, full blown mania, which ends in hospitalization. So like I did I was lucky in a way, although that's pretty the wrong thing to say, because it's such a horrific diagnosis, but it was very obvious that i had that and then so i was treated for it but then when i went to this new doctor i got a much better diagnosis so like the stuff that you're talking about like the internal pain i had physical pain with this especially this last few years this last episode since the hospitalization with the disaster treatment which you want me to i'll talk about that later that was with ketamine it's h- a horror story yeah absolutely um, go it, but the want. um he di- this latest psychiatrist who's amazing and has literally saved my life and given me my life back and i i mean he's just incredible um he diagnosed me better so when i ex- he's asked me to explain things and i said well i feel like i've got this pain i feel like i've got chest pain i've got heart pain i've got twinges in my heart and i feel like i've got a ton of bricks on me sometimes and i have to sit in a darkened room deep breathing because i can't cope with that feeling and he said well that's agitated depression that's not just simple depression that's a different state and it's more like a mixed state where you've got manic features so like the insomnia that would be mania a type you know sort of symptom of mania and then there's the racing thoughts which i would have which is mania but all in a negative way that kind of uh, episode that those symptoms i mean that stage is just horrific that's not survivable when you go through that and people don't people that have these disorders don't they're not educated about them properly see i went through sort of 16 to 18 years on the nhs getting just told that I was depressed or I was manic. Well, no, there's way more to it than that. There's mixed state, there's agitated depression, there's um, depression with flight of ideas where your mind is racing and jumping from thought to thought, but it's all negative, it's all suicide, it's all disaster, death, dying, and it's jumping around. And that's the manic symptoms, but in a negative way. So when he explained that to me, I instantly felt like, oh God, you know, Yes, there is so much more to it than that. And, the, and you understand this. And he explained it to me. And then, you know, I left there. I still felt obviously absolutely terrible. And I wanted to take my life. Absolutely. I just, you know, how am I still alive? I don't know. But I was then educated about it. So at least I could identify what was going on. And I was sort of rapid cycling between these different states. Well, they are all terrible, but they were different. So at least I could sort of identify that. And then just being way more educated, about what was going on really really helped me and then when he treat he basically treats the thyroid and it's not and everyone always says to me when i mention this is it overactive thyroid is it underactive thyroid? and it's not either of those things it's a conversion problem which is basically where there's an active form of thyroid hormone and there's a there's the just the normal thyroid hormone that you produce which is t4 the active form is t3 And that's the the active form is what you need in the brain for um, correct functioning. And that's what he thinks. Well, he knows bipolar patients can't do. They can't convert thyroid hormone to the active form. So once I got up the right dose and he's prepared to go outside of the guidelines to get you better, which is amazing. And he pushes and pushes. And eventually I got to this huge dose of thyroid hormone, woke up one morning and just went, you know what, that 20 years was hideous. But I'm fine with life. I'm OK. It's a nice day. I'm going to go for a walk. I don't want to kill myself. This is amazing. And I stabilised and then it took me a year. It took a long time because of the damage. If I hadn't had all the damage of the hospitals and the failed treatments and the disasters and the you know damage that the antidepressants and the ketamine had done to my brain, then this would have not taken quite so long. But it took me a year with him to stabilise, really. And then it took me a year to get my confidence back, because although I felt OK, it wasn't like I could just parachute back into my old life. i now at 20 yeah, years yeah. older. I've lost so much. And the confidence was obliterated because this is what people don't understand. There's so much more to it than just... I can relate to your soul. Oh, it. It's It's very brave. Yeah. So it took me a year. Lockdown was brilliant for me, which is what a lot of people with mental illnesses. Oh, my God. Yes, is that not many people. say lockdown was so So (laughs) so true because there was no pressure to socialize. There was no pressure to go and get a job immediately and get back into everything. It's not like, oh, you're fine, go kind of thing. You've got this lack of confidence and you keep thinking, well, tomorrow morning, am I really going to be okay? Like having doubted myself in my own mind, for so long am i going to be okay tomorrow morning am i going to be able to get out of bed sounds ridiculous but you need months of doing that consistently and being well and sleeping properly and getting everything back together and your confidence and then eventually i started working a bit in racing again and riding out for racehorse trainer and really quite enjoying it and and then i had had given it up my independence even and i was living with my parents so even that's just i mean you people used to say to me, that's the problem. Well, no, I couldn't look after myself. I couldn't even get out of bed to the bathroom. Sometimes I have to crawl from my bed to the bathroom through the brain fog. So i would given up my independence. Well, now I've moved in with my sister and that just makes me feel a bit better about myself and I'm slowly getting myself back together. But it's been it's just so it's such a long process, really. But I'm finally
0: back. So. That's it's well. It's great. It's great to hear that you're at where you're at. And like, oh my god! Like, there's just so much there in that story in itself. I, I could pull it pull it apart for hours. To be honest, it would take a long time to get through it. No, no. I mean, just generally, it's, it's such an amazing, authentic, raw story, and it's really, 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 really brave that you reflect with such positivity in yeah. such a chapter, like that is such a long chapter as you say, nearly now to writing your book, that like people don't relate to the intensity even of, as you say, the nature of these minutes, seconds, hours, whatever it is, depending on where you are at that certain point. And you're right. It's something that the world, unfortunately, and fortunately, I suppose we have to be positive and negative in these outlooks, that we're fortunate that we can arrive at a space where we do have another chance. Please God, like I do see that that vision, you know, that we will have a life, I will have yeah. a life that I will be able to maintain. It's so good. It definitely feels like the world nearly, please God, even with the likes of a pandemic has finally turned its head and said, hold on a second. We need to be very careful with mental health. Yeah. Like it's finally starting to get a bit, more, a bit more attention that it deserves. And I feel like even with myself, the level, as you said, of intensity, be it inpatient treatment or outpatient or whatever it is, people that struggle need support because you're just like nobody around me here connects to me at all whereas as you said thank god you connect to like a psychiatrist or someone in that department of life that someone that's professional that can literally go well, hold on a second i understand what you're thinking this yeah. actually is normal Like it, it happens we just need yeah. to
1: make adjustments yeah. and we will please god get you to where you are Yeah, the thing with the slight problem with it all at the moment is it's obviously great that people are talking about mental health, but they're talking about mental health slash well-being, and that's what I have a bit of a problem with because the the issue isn't with mental health, the issue is with mental illness. But unfortunately, people can't say mental illness, can they? Because there's so much stigma around it, which is why I always say it. If anyone asks me about it, I say yes, it's mental illness. Don't you know a an uh, an article was written recently about me and the editor changed the title to this is Tom's very brave battle with mental health and I was like no it's not it's my battle with mental illness will you please write it because otherwise people won't get used to hearing it and they won't be able to say it the stigma will be too much and the problem is it all gets mixed up so a lot of the messages we get in the media although it's difficult to say this because I I do agree that it's great that it's all there so I don't want to criticize but They're saying stuff like keep up social support and exercise and nutrition. Well, sorry, I can't do any of that when I'm dying to stay alive, which is the name of the blog and hopefully the book. And when I'm dying to stay alive with depression, I can't go and see my friends when I'm like that. Don't tell me to social social support, whatever. I can't do that. I feel terrible when I get there. Doesn't make me feel any better when I do it. I'm forcing myself to engage with people when, you know, and they're saying, hi, how are you? that question oh my god when you want to kill yourself hi how are you you can't say i want to die and you can't say well find that you do you just go find thanks, because you think well i can't go into it at a dinner party can i so i say fine thanks and i'm lying to myself and i'm lying to everybody else and then i don't feel any better and i force myself to do it i go home and i pull the curtains again and i can't wait for the day to be over and I can't wait for it to, you know, to, to get out of there. So that's no good telling people to do that when they're depressed. You know, exercise. No, for goodness sake, I'm depressed. I'm dying here. I cannot go for a run. I can't even go for a walk. I used to force myself to go walking and trying to help myself. Or I just wanted to lie down in the ditch and die. I felt terrible. That did not help me. So I would say to anyone that's, you know, got depression to that degree is do not force yourself to do any of that is not going to help you. You need to conserve your energy. You need to, if you need to pull the curtains and go to bed and tell everyone you can't do this, then that is what you have to do. So the messages are are not quite right, which is why I've written this book and I've written it. It's, it's, you know, it's real. It's a memoir. It's crossed with how to survive because I learned a lot about survival strategies and not being ashamed of, you know, not attaching any guilt or shame to this illness because it's already giving me that. Depression and bipolar, it gives you shame and guilt. It makes you feel those feelings because it twists your brain. You've got to tell your brain, no, I'm not going to attach guilt and shame to this because it's going to make it worse. And um, being nice to myself and appreciating this is a very, very serious situation. I could lose my life here. I'm not going to push myself into work. You know, there were a lot of reasons why I did survive here. And one of them was that I was prepared to stop. Um, And even 20 years ago, I knew if I pushed myself to continue, I would die. So I stopped. Everyone was saying, what are you doing? You're being ridiculous. You're going to lose your horses. You're going to lose your business. What, you know, what is this? Get over it. Man up. I've had all of that. Um, Chin up. Get over it. Um, Stiff up a lip. All that. And it's like, no, you haven't got a clue what I'm going through here. I cannot survive this this is brutal suffering and i was the expert of myself and that's what everyone has to be expert of yourself if you you're the one that knows what's going on in your mind and if you're having suicidal thoughts and you're in danger then you cannot push yourself into work every day stop you know get better but i know particularly men can't do that and i get it as well because how do i give up and lose my job lose my house my mortgage I'm trying to support a wife, children, whatever it is. How do I do that? And unfortunately, they push, 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 push till it gets to crisis point, And then they're standing on the edge of the bridge. And, you know, people have got to be prepared and able to have that, you know, plausible. It's so plausible to do it. You know, and they've got to feel that it is to hold their hands up and say, look, I can't do this. I've got a legitimate reason here. I'm going to stop working. I mean, in the beginning, I tried to break my own leg to get out of work and give myself a, inverted commas, plausible reason to stop. Because the shame and guilt and pressure, because I had this three-day eventing and I was this ex-national champion and all the rest of it. And I felt this pressure to continue. And I didn't feel that mental illness was a plausible reason to stop. So I went into the back of the horse box and I tried to break my own leg. And like people do that and it's not okay and just recently we've had a couple of people in the meet in the in the um public eye pulling out of things like naomi osaka in the french open just on sunday monday she pulled yeah, out, but yeah she pulled out bravely like did it because she said i'm not going to do the interviews because it has a really negative impact it perhaps wasn't done in the right way the backlash was terrible and she stood up for it and she said right i'm not doing the competition then because i'm going to put my my mental health first and you know cats off to her and then there was an MP over here that did the same recently well that was PTSD and she got some really shitty comments from people like oh you weren't in a war love what's wrong with you kind of thing and you know comparing parliament to being in the trenches and stuff like this well PTSD is nothing like that it's not just war veterans that get this disorder if you've had trauma in your life you can be susceptible to it one in three people with major trauma in their life suffers from ptsd and people are not educated we've done awareness now this is what the point really of this whole rant is that um we've done awareness over the last 10 years we're all aware about mental health and the impact and whatever but we're not all aware or educated so it's got to be about mental health education now and then and suicide prevention and money towards treatments that are shown to be effective without side effects like the one that i've received the money's got to go in the right places just got to be a bit better structured because unfortunately everyone's doing little things all over the place but nothing's really being done and i'm not seeing a reduction in suicide rates and i'm definitely not seeing an improvement in the system either because here the wait times on the nhs are horrendous you go in there in crisis and you come out being told that you're gonna have to wait a year to see a therapist and i mean for god's sake that's not okay i already don't value my own life because i feel so terrible now i'm being told i'm not I'm not you know prioritized at all here i'm gonna have to exactly, wait six yeah. months to a year then i really am going to end my life am i i need to see somebody today And unfortunately, the hospitals as well, they're so outdated. The one in Oxford that I go to hasn't been touched in 200 years. It's falling down. It's, you know, it's just terrible. And You've got all the, and I don't mind saying it because I will, you know, I'm not just going to criticise, I will fundraise because I want it to be better for other people. But if I don't highlight the issues, then I don't think anything will ever be done. But like the ward that I've always been on, it's like 18 men between the ages of 16 or 18 and 65 18 guys thrown together locked in Well, you imagine that 18 guys from that with that age range without mental illnesses that would be pandemonium anyway if they're locked in together from all walks of life nationalities races whatever thrown together and then add in schizophrenia um, psychosis, bipolar mania, depression, suicide attempts, PTSD, chronic anxiety. Throw that together. What do you think that's like? You know, absolute chaos. You come out way more damaged than you ever went in. So the whole thing is a mess and it's not being properly funded and it needs sorting out. And, you know, that's why I will do all I can over the next couple of years. want to get the book published and, you know, get people, aware of this treatment and get this treatment rolled out and alert people to the failures and where things need to be improved and then fundraise and then hopefully I can do that and then we'll see. I can't just walk away yet. I have to at least try to help everyone else. So that's what I'm trying to do.
0: Yeah, and I'll help you and I'll give you a break there. Your breath must be nearly gone. And um, That's incredibly interesting. I'm very interested to see maybe the next two points just before I come back to it and forget it, Will be the breakout of the treatment that you're very fortunate you came across and also the ketamine story from my own side of it like uh, yeah relating to all of the above in the sense of inpatient treatment twice crazy in the sense of as you say like now in fairness I feel like I was fortunate maybe that I came through both inpatient treatment situations in a good place I was in a good mindset at the time uh, now, it would have been very different if I hadn't have been in a good place. And I can appreciate that could be very different. Why were
1: you an impatient then if you were in a good place mentally? Sorry, so the
0: first time I had just come through my suicides and people were saying, Rory, you need to focus on yourself. And then I went in involuntarily. I was on the back of, I'd say, having come through a darker chapter, but I knew I needed to deal with what I needed to deal with. Uh, from the previous few months. Then most recently, I got detained because of launching this podcast and social media together, driving up the intensity of just raising my emotions externally. Again, er everything has steered the ship all over the place. As I said, everything is just chaotic, no matter what way you look at it. In the journey, like when you're reflecting back through the book and everything like that with the, say, strategies of how you're helping people to please God be more aware of this. You're right, like the world at the current time that we're in highlights and nearly glorifies or glosses uh, wellness or mental health and there's all this money put towards it. But at the same time, the real crux of the real depths of the real challenge, as you said, is with the illness. People are like pulling out all these fancy phrases and programs and all these things. The amount I'd say of live coaches that have spun up since like lockdown It's crazy. How how many people are professionally able and capable to identify a mental illness at its core and say, that is the treatment that we need to work with. Or as you say, that's how we actually rectify it, even across all the systems, personally speaking, and from even Ireland. Like you walk in there nearly feeling that you're like, this psychiatrist is not qualified enough for what I need. And you're kind of like, as you say, and we're very fortunate. I was very lucky that I even probably got detained on one side or went in involuntarily on the back of another job. I've been very fortunate to get a lot of treatment in different ways, but I know I still know myself where I am, even on the journey at the moment with the internal battle. You're still looking for that, you know, nugget. I feel like I'm very close and I feel like I very much have a lot going for it. Maybe this chapter of going through the emotional turmoil is that you need to deal with the trauma but at the same time a lot of advice that keeps coming back is like where you just need to leave it be
1: when you have it you can't live in the moment it's all ruminating about the past and all ruminating about the future like worrying about the future unnecessarily and harping on about the past in my mind why did that have to happen oh my god you know if that hadn't happened then that wouldn't have happened and that was really unfair and god my life's terrible and why are people so awful and had some terrible relationships and blah 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 and it's like this repetitive nightmare in your brain that goes round and round and round and round and round and the whole thing goes round and round and round what i will say is that having had that on repeat in my brain for years and years at a time um having had this treatment all of that is gone i don't do any of that anymore i do what everyone else does i I'm in the moment, I'm chatting away to Rory today, then I'm going to have my lunch and blah, blah, blah. That, you know, I don't worry about what happened in the past, even with the terrible nightmare I've had. I don't go over it in my head ever because I'm better. I look forward. I can let it all go, even the trauma, all of it, because I'm well and I look forward to tomorrow. And I appreciate a beautiful day. And it's changed me in so profoundly because i now don't i lost everything to this illness pretty much anyway so i now don't need xyz material stuff i just need to i've been so ill i just need to be okay with life and be able to get out of bed tomorrow morning you know and it makes you appreciate life in a completely different way like i'm now i mean this is crazy but i'm now interested in things like gardening and walking in nature on my own will never have done that kind of thing before i would never interested in anything like that i was career driven i was medals glory fame that was what i was after and money and cars and all that stuff and i've come out of it and realized i don't need any of that stuff i just need my health oh my god it's the most important thing so all that rumination and all that past future worrying is all gone so I I really want you to get to my doctor but I mean it's so difficult because he's private and he's really really expensive and it's crazy because now you know why should just the privileged few be able to get this treatment which is really difficult but because he hasn't treated enough people yet it hasn't been properly identified, you know, it hasn't been released in in research. Yeah, so, papers so, so what, what, what swag, exactly
0: but... is the uh, treatment just on that? Like what I'm even now guiding towards, like where I am on my own journey is like tomorrow morning, I have a thing called biofeedback, which is all to do with your deficiencies and vitamins, and it gives you a full scan on energy in the journey. I'm working with kind of Gabor Mave and a lot of transgenerational trauma, and, like I'm trying to unpack all of these different points yeah. but nearly where you're guiding The conversation to, as you said, is the gland. So, yeah, um, I suppose what 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 brought you upon this treatment, and uh, how did you
1: uh, find us to where you are now? Maybe. Well, I always knew really that. Therapy was never going to work for me because I tried it and I just went around in circles because my brain was stuck in this negative cycle. So I twisted everything into a negative spin. So when they asked me anything, I would say, Well, yeah, that was a disaster because of this, and that's awful because of that. So it never got any better. And I realized straight away that the illness was doing this to me. It wasn't my fault, and I could never talk my way out of it. So I had a brutal illness. I didn't have childhood trauma and stuff, although I did have the trauma of the illness to deal with, I somehow knew that I just was really, really ill and I would never be able to talk my way out of it. So then I spoke to some, eventually a friend, having gone through all these different things, this friend said, you must go to my doctor. You know, he's doing this, treating the thyroid. It's completely different. It's not the traditional psychiatric drugs and the side effects. Don't worry about that. Just go to him. And she persuaded me to go. And I did. And it's basically a, a thyroid conversion. So I mentioned it before that you haven't got this active form of, of it in the brain. And he says, you know, if you flood the brain with this drug, thyroid hormone, it somehow stabilizes the brain. And then you're able to, with that medical intervention, you're then able to do all the other things to help your mental health. So like I do now, like I do everything they say in the media now for my mental health. But I was never going to be able to do any of this now um, without the thyroid hormones and the intervention. So, and I had two things. I had the thyroid hormone um, titrated up slowly because it's, it's it's potentially dangerous to have this level that I have for a normal person because they don't have the genetic profile that i have in the conversion problem but for bipolar people we can tolerate this massive dose and we don't have any side effects whatsoever no heart palpitations no sweating no nothing like other people do we can tolerate it so and he's found this and it's just such a massive deal but anyway i had that in combination with something called rtms and he said to me in the first appointment I've had my best results with the combination of these two things RTMS and the high dose thyroxine and RTMS is called as something is the shortened version of repetitive transcranial magnetic stimulation which sounds terrifying but it's basically a m- magnetic pulse that they deliver to your brain so I had that virtually every day for a few months in combination with this drug slowly titrating up to a high level and over a space of of several months, I, there were ebbs and flows, there were, because I've been so ill, there were, it wasn't a steady, wasn't like a magic thing, but within a few months, I was stable, and then I just got better and better from there, and then I was able to get my confidence back, and yeah, now I'm just me again, so it's huge, and he has released some, some papers, some medical journals on this, but he said to me, you know, I said, why isn't this, being, you know, raved about and he's released these papers saying, you know, this could potentially um, help millions of people. I mean, there's 46 million suffering with bipolar and 360 million in the world suffering from depression. So and a lot of them will be bipolar, and not know it because they'll be in this mixed state, which I was talking about earlier, yeah, 100%. the brain's going a million miles an hour, but all in a negative way. So that's mixed state. So you need a proper diagnosis. And then, you know, this could potentially help millions and millions of people. And I said, well, why is it not out there now? And he, he said, I've only done 400, 500 people, which in the scheme of things isn't enough. But it's still a significant number. Um, and he said, It's like um, in the medical profession, they don't agree, which you'll know. You go to one psychiatrist and they say you need antidepressants. You go to the next one, that's a disaster. You go to the next one, they say you need a different type of antidepressants. That's a disaster. You go to the next one. In between all of this, you're withdrawing, having the withdrawal problems, the side effects and the failures and the disappointments and the worsening of your condition. Then you go to the next one, they say you need therapy. Then you go to the next one, they say you need to go in hospital. Well, I've done all this, round and round and round. And then people to avoid all of that and be able to get the right treatment without side effects is what i've got now on this combined treatment and be able to get that in their first episode to avoid the 20 years of hell or you know losing their life um so that is why i will push and he said to me that this will the only reason it will only come out if my patients do it kind of thing it will come from the horse's mouth kind of thing not me i've pushed and the my peers and stuff don't like it and they you know they don't agree and they're all doing different things so the answer is that it will only really become known and talked about and in the public eye and then rolled out hopefully onto the nhs if my patients um talk about it so i thought right and i blogged all the way through the whole thing the last five years and i wrote the book and it's all combined in there and now i'm writing every day and i just need people to notice what i'm doing now i really need an agent so that i can get the book properly done so it actually reaches enough people but you know you know you probably doubt what I'm saying here because I'm the first person no, really talking about it but
0: in I a few would, years time don't knock yourself I would completely back this because I would be supporting this journey in so many ways of gratitude but I'll let you finish your thoughts before in a few I in a few years
1: time I believe that this will be the big thing and everyone definitely the bipolars will 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 get this treatment and they will all be like me my god my life is back again thank god. And this will avoid so much hell for other people. The side effects, the trauma, the losses, the pain, the agony, the suffering, the deaths, all of that, gone. And um, people will be well and they will be able to work and they'll be able to function normally. People will get their husbands and their wives back after losing them to this illness because you're not the same person with an illness like this.
0: You're, You're a
1: shadow of your your true self and you feel so desperately bad that everything's an act and it's all forced and it's fake and it's just this catastrophic illness. And I've never heard anyone explain depression and bipolar uh, in the way that I experienced it, which is this brutal, brutal, brutal suffering, death, dying, so dangerously ill, um, on a knife edge constantly, every waking moment a suicidal one, for months and months and months and months and months. Like that was not survivable. It's catastrophically bad. And, you know, people don't ever say that. I don't know whether they're just not, they haven't survived. And that's why they don't say it or whether people are too ill to oh, do it. That, because-
0: that, 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 that's, that's possible because a lot of the statistics you'd see, especially even from some of the stuff that comes to mind, they were borderline or something like that is that people eventually, you know, they don't become a statistic, they are already gone. And it's like, as you say, that even in that nature of the journey, you're so right. And I don't think the illness in itself, as you said, just from a supportive point of view from, say, the UK or the NHS, in this point, is like, it's not given the priority that it needs. Like, if you have an illness that was a serious life illness, a physical one, for example, you would be given priority to the treatment for whatever you need. Whereas with an illness, you're just like, that's it and like you're like as you said playing circles of uh, therapy or whatever it might be and all of a sudden you're, you're spending thousands or whatever it might be time energy trauma the whole lot and you're just back at square one whereas it feels like thank god with yourself it's amazing to hear such a nice success story that you're one of the ones yeah. reflecting backwards to say look like nearly with the hope of what i even had put forward in my own uh, professional life that I have an idea to do a business uh, to help people like ourselves, like as in an app, yeah. to help people that are really intense because you need that support 24 yeah. 7. Like, you literally need the basis of everything taken away from you. As you said, like you need someone, maybe even as you said, to take you to the bathroom. Like it could be. Yeah, I mean, like, you, you literally it, it's literally do anything. It's so you, you literally are crippled. Yeah. You crippled. can go from being a free man to literally as you said crippled is the phrase come to mind completely
1: paralyzed by totally i just don't think people ever appreciate how catastrophically bad it is and then you know when i i completely understand why people choose to die because you know it's so so painful and that's what people need to understand it's the catastrophic illness like if someone tells you they've got depression my god take them seriously their life is in danger and that's what we don't Really and and here. that's the uh, and that's the early warning sign for yeah. like the later chapters definitely education education around mental illness is the thing that needs to happen now and hopefully that will but you just said about you know my success story and it is and I'm so it's just so I'm just so passionate about helping other people now like yes I survived but I've lost friends to suicide and you know I just can't lose any more people and but I understand why we do at the same time. But hearing about success stories is so important because we don't hear anyone that suffered, that had a severe mental illness for 20 years that is back being a journalist like I am now. I'm a qualified, I'm qualified to do journalism. So I'm now doing that again. I'm riding again, I'm back to me. You know, we never hear someone that's had a catastrophic mental illness, reclaiming their life and going, you know what? I'm fine now. Well. You know this is important but um you know i just hope that i can actually reach people with it because i know that when i was really really ill if i'd heard someone talking like this my god i've been so ill for 20 years i never thought i would ever be able to do anything ever again and i would have to live my life out in this horrific state but i'm now better if i had heard that i'd think oh my god you know there's hope because at the moment there is so there much isn't hope. enough hope around mental illness.
0: Well, yeah, you you're know? right. In the general um, way of where I feel, you're right. There is both sides of the argument. Yeah, I definitely feel there's so much hope. But you're right in general for the for the greater blanket of the whole industry that is nearly converted and driven by money. It's like the hope that people are given is just not there because it's like, oh, well, you have to wait six months for a therapist it's, not it's going, yeah. and, and it's going to cost. And it's like, it's all this, this. And it's like, rather than the whole blanket approach of the natural human love, we should be like opening our hands and be like, well, hold on a second. You don't feel good here. We will sort out everything else. We will, you just, you come in here, take a deep breath and you just relax. That's like, it's such like humans were driven so much by money. But it's like anything, you know, even on Western medicine, especially, the more I learn about it, it's all driven by money. And I, as you said, the stigma and all these other things, it's just, it's not given the focus to actually try and help people that really need certain treatments and no. uh, in really, really, really difficult chapters. But at the time that they need it before it's too late.
1: Yeah. That's the scary part. There is a problem with the pharmaceutical companies and the drugs industry, which is a huge Pandora's box. But basically they're making billions so why would they change anything but i'll just tell you this for for bipolar disorder antidepressants are an absolute disaster like for me they made me so much worse they made me have insomnia and racing thoughts which was then mixed state and i didn't realize it at the time but i was terror when i took prozac fluoxetine i was terrified constantly suddenly i was shaking with fear. I had this paranoia. I had this dread about just everything. It was just disgusting to try and live with. And I had insomnia. I would wake up at two o'clock in the morning, panicking about the future. And that was because of that drug. It made me so much worse. So I came off that and I went on something and it just went on and on and on like that. And the withdrawals and the problems, And I knew they didn't help me and I knew they made me worse. And then finally, I find out years later that yes, antidepressants are an absolute no-no for a bipolar patient they make you much much worse so and also one in 20 patients goes manic on an antidepressant and that's a big problem so the drugs are feeding and generating new illnesses so now having and i knew all of that from my own experience um but having something like what i have now the thyroid drug without the side effects and the problems and without the risks is just so so important so I mean, so much other stuff to come out. No, no, but you're so right. Like,
0: even the phrase that comes to mind there is emotional purging. Like, but getting those emotions out is so important. Like, if you feed those emotions and actually get them out and, you know, bring them out, that's the healthy part. Because when your mind is clear, then, then the peace comes. You know, your mind can actually relax. And it's like, oh, grand. (laughs) I'm very fortunate in so many ways that I literally can do that at the moment. And I feel like I could literally... Really you know, tip towards mania if I want. So, like you know, you could make these choices, but if you didn't know, if I didn't know how to stop mania as I did, as you said, the first time when you go through these things, you have no idea. You're just in this positive, yeah. creative. You literally could turn water into wine and convert oh, yeah. it into gold if you're struggling. <laughs> like in the sense that, like, it's so it's it but, it. but what's considered crazy is like that, as you said, with education and society. Then it can't be just everyone just sees it as, oh, he's an outlier and let's leave him be. And let's let the destruction continue versus like I got detained, but it's more like versus it should be a case of like, Oh, hold on a sec. This guy is a bright spark. Like they are very, very, very very creative. Like they have it. They have it. There's something in there that they have. If we can give them a creative piece to flow with rather than pressure them in society, you would have a whole flourishment of love and creativity of like, as you said, writing or whatever might be in a creative space and yeah. allow them the right chances. Now, that's very hard to see happening. But at the same time, I can even feel it more for what I need to do. I need to be more creative in my own sense and strict in my processes of my writing. Because I know, as you're saying, with Nick's thoughts in general, be it positive or negative, that if I just go straight up online or whatever it might be, that it's just destructive and it's disruptive.
1: Yeah, Being a well, disruptor,
0: it's like, that's that's the nature of an even addictive point of my way that
1: I love chaos. And it is chaos. And some of the most incredible stuff comes out of certainly a hypermanic episode before the full-blown mania. Like your writing is so creative and you're having amazing business ideas and you're multitasking and you're on the phone to someone and doing something else and you're cooking amazing food and you're, you're so lovable and funny and witty and clever and smart and all this stuff and it's amazing but then it goes for me anyway out completely out of control the worst for me depression imaginable i am absolutely in a living hell after that because i come crashing down and the brain doesn't have any neurotransmitters or positive chemicals to feed off and you're just in hell and that will last for me for like 18 months so like for me mania is an absolute no-no but there is a problem here with the bipolar because the mania is so amazing it's so addictive and so fantastic that people start sensationalizing it and and that's wrong really because it's so dangerous if you do have a manic episode you'll then suffer the opposite pole so 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 badly so it's really, really difficult, but I do love like the piece I wrote about that on my blog about mania and my experience with God and religion and spirituality and what happened there and sort of questioning and everything. That happens to a lot of people, and I think it's really important that we talk about this. The point in the in my article was that I've never been asked by a psychiatrist about that side of my illness. It was just I was just dismissed as crazy, and given loads of drugs and then thrown out of the door when I was suitably numb and sedated, and I was never asked you know what happened there who were you talking to in your thoughts and what was going on and what was this uh, religious experience and like what happened and you know so that i could then work it out as i was getting better like and identified that yeah that the mania or whatever it was or was it a spiritual awakening so there's a lot of confusion when you come out of a mania that needs addressing as well. Um, <laughs> anyway, I could go on all day about that. No, but it's, it's, it's
0: literally like uh, <laughs> listening to my own thoughts in another way. and someone yeah. actually connecting to so many points that I would relate to. It's and such a relief you're when you're laying you... this very, very, you're, you're laying it very, very well. So I, it's literally like listening attentively. If you're publishing your book, I'm literally in the crowd <laughs> going, you are so right in everything you're saying. Well, it's such a relief
1: when you talk to somebody else that has experienced all of that, isn't it? So, you know, that in just in itself, I think this sort sort of peer support, I don't really like the term peer support, but like it is peer support when you, you've experienced something and you can help other people through your own experience. And I never wanted to hear from a psychiatrist when I was ill. I wanted to hear from somebody else that had been suicidal. I wanted to hear from somebody else who had taken quetiapine. I wanted to hear from somebody else who had lost everything to this disorder i wanted to hear from somebody else who had recovered you know i didn't want to hear from a psychiatrist giving me a pill no i didn't want to hear from someone who had been through this themselves you know what was their experience and that is hugely important in which i know that and i already support some of my doctors patients as they go through the treatment because i know that there's so many questions that only another patient can answer
0: you need those people around you, as you said, with peer support, like with a friend of mine that I have, even similarly in a different way. It's like he has bipolar as well. And it's like, but actually being able to relate to it. And like, I remember even in hospital, when I met him first. Like, I'm sure you won't mind me saying this with him. It's just like that we were like two when he's going around in sense, just like positivity. Just like, couldn't do it. Oh, yeah. You meet you know, like, some amazing people you know, through, through,
1: but like, but it's it's
0: it's, 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 it's unbelievable. Like, that, I think that's part of what comes with the struggle you get to meet. Very nice people along the way that have struggled, yeah. and even as I was saying there in the car a while ago, you nearly only start to connect with then or attract those people that have struggled into your life because you start to feel more accepted and at home with that kind of a person versus Definitely. people that don't accept you. Like people that don't accept you, you literally just cut because you're just in your head. You're like, nope, they don't accept me. Why? Why, why would I bother?
1: Yeah. I mean, some of my friends were were not good about the whole thing. And they said stupid things like go for a run and get over it and have a gin and tonic in the bath. And I'm thinking what, you know, this is coming from my best friends and and I'm thinking what, so in the end I didn't bother talking to, to any of them really. There were a few that were good and they said the right things and they were patient and they listened and that's what I needed. And then there were a few people that I met through my hospital admissions and my psychiatric safari as it were um, who had been there firsthand and I didn't have to explain anything to them and so you just need this troop of people only needs to be three or four people two or three even that um, really get this really understand the severity of it and they're not going to say the wrong thing now I didn't fall out with my other friends I just knew that I couldn't talk to them about mental illness because they'd never experienced it and they didn't really empathize to it so I just chose wisely who I spoke to, and that made a big difference. So, yeah, choosing that little group of people that you've got that you can confide in and trust is important. Because if you do talk to the wrong person, you know, and they say something stupid, then it throws you back even further. So, just be really—you just have to be really careful who you yeah. You're so do right, do even one of the
0: episodes we did earlier the week uh, from a guy uh, in the UK as well and it was online about mentorship and it's all about like even with the line of negativity nearly with your own life as you said like even at times i've over the last few days now granted i had a negative speed bump over the weekend and i'm a very driven person when i have negative against me um and i love fighting that um yeah. that maybe is an addiction in its own way that i don't need to put myself in holes all the time that you know naturally a lot of this relates to the illness and fairness as you say it's you don't really know. And sometimes just end up back in the hole anyway. But anyway, where I'm coming to in that point is that with mentors, as you said, be it friends or people in your life, that like you need to be, we we need to be, or you need to be, or anyone in general needs to be very uh, disciplined. And if at a point in the life of the conversation that we were saying at the time today, um, and even at the moment, it still resonates slightly that uh, if you needed just to literally go lying in the sand, and cut all negativity to allow you to focus, Mm. that's what you need to do. Like, as you said, because it is, it is so intense on its own. As you said, you need the support network around you. That's just positive because it's so negative in its own manner. Exactly. Added negativity just drives you even further into your own hole. You're even struggling to stay on par with anyway
1: yeah exactly you've already you're already wrestling with your own mind aren't you and then when someone you know they say these things and you think well no that's either stating the obvious like get over it well don't you think i'm trying you know i'm trying to stay alive here um and they unfortunately it's not really their fault they just don't understand because they've never been in your situation but um yeah the comments and the a misunderstanding is just it just adds such a horrible dimension to our thing because like as you said you're already in brutal suffering you really don't need all this other stuff to you know it's just not going to help you so finding the right people and speaking about it like you and i do is just so important for other people so yeah thank you for doing what you do as well it's just so brilliant
0: yeah and like <laughs> on that nature that you talk to my heart with gratitude uh, conscious that I actually have to go to work very soon uh, all <laughs> I want to, to do before I get all uh, emotional in the sense of just gratitude and let that positively wave close out the episode the last point in one thing that nearly comes in with even a point on the story earlier I was sent to a friend of mine was you mentioned the ketamine story yeah. if you don't mind is that I'm not saying a golden nugget but I'm sure you were mentioning that earlier is that something that is worth bringing into the light of the yeah, last part of the conversation. I
1: can do a quick summary of what happened there. Basically, when I got to the point where all the medications had failed me, the antidepressants and mood stabilizers, and antipsychotics, I really didn't know what the hell I would do next. And I was suicidal. It was 2017 and I was in a terrible, terrible state and I just didn't know what to do. So they said, you know, they're doing ketamine treatment at the hospital. Would you be interested? And I was like, well, I'm not doing antidepressants again because I know they don't work for me. So, yeah, let's try something different. Anyway, it's sent me crazy. Basically, they gave me two infusion, blood infusions of ketamine, and it sent me so manic and so high that I had to be hospitalized in the end, sectioned. And I was in hospital for three months because of it. They're just terrible failings. I've written a post about it on the blog and it's all in there, but basically they didn't give me any emergency numbers, nothing. So when I was crying out and I knew that I wasn't sleeping and I was really, really worried, I couldn't get hold of anybody at the hospital. People can't, I mean, this is so hard to believe, but I could not get hold of anybody and I sent emails. I got finally got an auto rep- reply out of office, you know, not here kind of thing. And I was in terrible, terrible danger. And I knew that this manic episode was coming. Eventually, when I did get hold of somebody, I got hold of a healthcare assistant who told me to take a herbal sleeping pill. That was the extent of the help I was given when I was in crisis. And then by the time of the next appointment, I was in full-blown mania and I was hospitalized. And then after this whole terrible traumatic hospital, uh, three-month admission, I was then headed for depression and then over the lot that was 2017 so for 17 18 19 i was in this horrific mixed state where as i've explained i had all this insomnia and manic um symptoms but all in a negative way which is so unsurvivable. so that treatment was an absolute disaster for me and i want people to know about what happened to me because it could so easily happen to them and um unfortunately with the psychedelic stuff that's coming out at the moment. And I'm all for research and I'm all for progress and that's all great, but can we please just note that some of us have had disasters here and there are other people that I know that have had disasters with this as well, but they are not um, um, published in the same way. So we don't hear about them. All we hear is these, these positive stories. Well, no, there's some really terrible stuff that's happened to some of us. Mine was an absolute horror story with that drug. So I just want people to be really, really aware of it. And I've written a blog post about it on my site too, which people can. It's there for like, anyone that wants to
0: read it. You need to, to be. It. You're. You're so right. You need. And you need to be so careful with it. And I'm just conscious of time, but it's like. Yeah. I do have time to just bring it in on this, as you mentioned, just the psychedelic stuff. I mentioned yeah. it. I dropped it in earlier. Yeah. Like it, the world is definitely changing on those points of studies and changing in different ways, but like I even feel like with my own psychedelic stuff, like I did psychedelics back in. It must have been February, and it took me out of where I was in a hole, and it just gave me like, you know, three or four weeks of just clarity with positivity, which essentially is mania, where, like, I suppose I didn't feel like I could do any wrong, so it was, no, 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 it was Cambo, which is frog poison. Again none of these things are you know it's I've no interest in western medicine a lot of treatments because I find what I've got from even eastern or south american stuff it just gives you that initial int- because a lot of you know maybe like I'm on a mood stabilizer at the moment for example with sodium but, but even the tablet idea I don't like it like no. even in general with the likes of say a sananga or something it doesn't matter So like psychedelic you can get that um what I need to do is actually order sananga again because like that's literally an eye drop like rather than taking what sodium then is, is like a mood balancer, right? Yeah. What, what, what you need, What you need sometimes when I am in the level of really intense head pain at the moment is literally a senanga. It's an eye drop, like literally, literally an eye drop in each eye. It will torture your head. But then you literally have about five or six hours
1: of clarity. And well, you're how like, about having... Five or six. Well, I've done already. What? It's unbelievable. Two, two years of clarity, though, on my drugs. So on on the five. Yeah, no, so no, no. Hopefully, I'll do I know, six I, years, that, or the rest of my life like this. So like, yeah. I mean, it's great. Anything I, like I, that, I, know, I, I know. I know. I know what you mean. Like, it? it's definitely.
0: Yeah, it's temporary. So it's a case of all of these things you can use for temporary relief and distract yourself from the real crux of the trauma. I believe, anyway, that is the internal challenge that I'm going through at the moment. So it's hard to
1: know where this is to go. And that's kind of scary and exciting in some way. I would love you to get the treatment that I've got and see, you know, in a year's time, what you would be saying about, you know, how you would be processing your thoughts and explaining it all to me, because I can tell from hearing you speak that you're still in this cycle and I want you to get out of it. Because although it's addictive and there's the mania side is so great sometimes, it's way, way better to be where I am, which is just stable yeah. constantly. I don't have the highs yeah. and I don't have the lows. And I don't want any of that anymore. I just want no, no, no. <laughs> you're you're
0: in, in in that way, if it is a say, chapter that I could leave behind, oh god, yeah, absolutely. And if it is something that please God, I could even see if it was an option, uh yeah, I'd be all up for it. Uh, because again, you need to be open to these things. Like as you said, you end up going through therapies and all these other things, you know. That I'm even trying at the moment, and you know it's simply not what you need. Like, maybe in time, you know, there's certain skills and strategies that you could easily go through, like a coursework piece, like what at the moment, say, some of the things I'm doing are like dialectical behavioral therapy, which are strategies and all the rest of it. But at the same time, like you're saying, nearly what it sounds like for your treatment, say, in another way, would like be the chemo for your cancer, if it was a physical illness, rather, that you're actually able to then deal with the intensity with an intense treatment. And then it gives you the space to then give you more coping strategies in time after that. With this conversation, again, it's opened more doors on my own thoughts to say there is more options again, which naturally, even with your head, it just goes, yeah, Rory, unbelievable. So, again, for even as you said, my work, I'm very grateful for your work because this possibly has helped me guide myself to a chapter I didn't even realize. But at the same time, for all of the stuff we've discussed today, it could also be a lot of fruitful pieces that people, if they are struggling or connecting or know someone in any way that's any way similar, that they might be able to guide themselves along those paths and dabble and try different things that might help them as well. Naturally, we're not trained professionals. We're only telling our stories. Yeah. I'm very, very grateful for your time today. It's been a very, very, very interesting conversation. One of the ones that I was expecting to come at some stage, but I wasn't expecting it to have such a fruitful nature because it's so nice to connect to people that really have it gone through, as you said, the real yeah. highs and the real lows. Like you said, yeah. between people say they're like, oh, I struggle, I have a bit of depression, or, whatever. but there's a whole different chapter when you say you've really been in the doldrums <laughs> or you've oh, yeah. really been in the clouds. Like that's yeah. the ex- yeah, extremes. Yeah, yeah.
1: Like, I've been there. I know, I know all about it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> listen, you're a gentleman, and listen, I wish you all the best, and uh, who knows where I might be, as you said, in 12 months. Ha- Gone down the road. If I do, please God, hopefully get a chance at this uh, treatment. And uh, yeah. we might be talking going, Rory, one of the best
1: things you ever looked at. We'll definitely, definitely try and do this. And we'll definitely stay in touch as well.
0: Welcome to my world, Riff Raff and Rory podcast. Episodes will be available every Monday. And you can listen to the podcast on all podcast streaming platforms. Follow me on Insta, Facebook linkedin twitter all of my handles are in the show notes thanks very much tune in next week